0: It's time to buckle up your seatbelts and let's get this ball rolling. Hello, beautiful people. We have hit 10,000 listeners this week. I cannot believe it. I do not have the words to express how honored I am to be on this journey with each and every single one of you from this tiny little idea last November when I was too sick to get off the couch and all I could think about is how on earth am I going to continue to try and help people if I can't stand up or I can't go to work. And six months later, we have this international podcast. Thank you everyone for showing up here each week, supporting challenges that change us. It is because of you that we're impacting lives all around the globe. I've said it before, but I just love, love, love the feedback and the personal messages that you send through daily. For each of you listening today, I'm sending out all my good energy and vibes just for you. Today's guest is Jess Quigley, the quantum queen who specializes in working with women in business and helping them get to 30K months. She does this by working with her clients, energy, mindset, and strategy. And I only just realized now that I actually have two business coaches back to back. (laughs) Jess Quigley, this girl, she has had her share of adversity. She started drinking at 13 and she spent decades living in a place of self-hatred and self-loathing. Jess talked to me about her hideous experience of childhood sexual abuse. And we both decided to actually remove this conversation from the episode to keep people anonymous. We do however talk a lot about the side effects that this trauma had. This was the beginning of Jess's spiral into decades of toxic drinking and self-sabotaging. Throughout this time she was also diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder that the doctors told her would be lifelong and she would never recover from and she spent the best part of a decade heavily medicated. Jess talks about how now She is the happiest and healthiest she has ever been in her life. She walks us through some of those resources that she found invaluable for her recovery and some of the steps she took after hitting rock bottom. This episode touches on suicide, depression, and addiction. And as always, if this is not the right episode for you today, please skip it and we will see you next week. If you find that listening to this episode or at all that you want to try and connect in and talk to someone, please reach out to a professional or Lifeline on one 4 It's through connection that we can find hope. Grab your cup of tea and let's get into this episode. So, welcome, Jess. I am so excited to have you here. This has been in the pipeline for a little while. Welcome. Thank you.
1: I've been really looking forward to this as well. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, and have you got much on this weekend? It's a th- like three or four day weekend.
1: Yes, we have. We are actually going on a hike tomorrow um, up into the mountains myself, my husband, and my three children. Um, so we are super, super excited. We actually went shopping last night and I needed to get a water pack, some new hiking shoes, and um, we had to get snacks to take along the way. So We cannot wait to get out into the wilderness and have a swim under the waterfalls and, it's yeah, it's going to be absolutely amazing. So super excited.
0: Is this something you guys normally do or is this a new thing?
1: Well, my husband's done quite a bit of hiking with the kids before. I haven't done a lot of hiking, but it's definitely going to be something that we are definitely going to start doing really, really regularly. We even thought that we might do Mount the biggest mountain in Queensland, Bata Freya.
0: I love for those that can't see, Jess just went like, you, you could tell she was about to say the mountain and then her eyes went, I have no idea of the name. And then her arm goes up to like demonstrate the height of it. Is that what just happened for you, Jess? Were you like, I
1: was going to say, I don't know the name. it's uh, or, or it's, it's my <laughs> husband knows. Anyway, he's climbed it a couple of times before with the army and um, he has wanted to do it with the family. So maybe Um, our youngest might be a little bit too young to tackle that yet, so probably in a couple of years.
0: Can you send me some pictures because I've been floating with the idea of doing some hiking. It's not – I've never done it. I can't even remember if I've ever done a hike other than cadets. And so I think that might inspire me to be like, yes, I'm going to go do it. So I want lots of photos this weekend. Absolutely. And Jess, we normally start this podcast with a totally random question, and I love sort of everyone's, when they, like you see their jaw drop and think,
1: I I don't know, (laughs) Um, do you have an animal that best describes you? I do. I think a dolphin, and I would like to think that it is a dolphin, but maybe I don't live up to that all the time, because I'm definitely not playful all the time. But I guess that if I could aspire to be like any animal, it would be a dolphin um, because of that playful energy that they exhibit. Yeah, Yeah. And I I actually just love dolphins.
0: Have you ever been swimming with the dolphins? No, but I'll
1: tell you a quick story. So every December we holiday at Agnes Water.
0: I don't know where that is.
1: It's just up from Brisbane. So I think it's about a five-hour drive up towards Townsville from from Brisbane. And upon arriving last year into Agnes, I proclaimed to my family and the world that I would be swimming with dolphins. I said it out loud. Mm. And we took one of our paddle boards. We couldn't take all the paddle boards because there wasn't enough room in the car to take them all. But one morning my husband came came back from being out and he hopped and jumped into bed with me and whispered in my ear, you're never going to believe what I've just done and I immediately woke up and I knew, I knew before he even told me. And he said, I just swam with a pot of dolphins. Oh my God. And I was like, you that's what I said I was gonna do. Did
0: you grab the paddleboard and go straight out? That's what I would have done. I would have been like, you know, PJ's on, jumping oh. on the paddleboard. I'm here, I'm here, where to he go. I like, beat
1: you to it. And um, yeah, the next morning I was up at 5 a.m. I was out there on the ocean. Not a,
0: not
1: a dolphin inside. No dolphins. Not a
0: dolphin inside. Oh, it's one of my to-do bucket list things. And a swim with the whale sharks in Western Australia. I told my husband he wasn't allowed to propose to me until he took me swimming with the whale sharks. Um, Never happened. (laughs) I would love to. And, The other question I really love to ask is, was there a room or a place when you were growing up that you loved?
1: Yes, there was. It was my grandparents, their property. I absolutely loved being out in nature. Um, They lived on a few acres. And so, yeah, I used to get out there as often as I possibly could. And um, I'd be off on my own, climbing on shed roofs, swinging off trees, wandering through the the empty channel in the winter where there would be no water in the channel bed I'd be trudging through all of that mud (laughs) yeah that was me that was my special place and I was very loud I was very vocal I just used to yell when I used to get out there because I got told that I had to be quiet (laughs) you know as children do so when I went out there I just would let the full brunt of my voice be free and yeah it was such a good feeling. And
0: was it just you or have you got brothers and sisters?
1: I have got a brother and I have got a sister, but I remember I was out there a lot on my own and I I actually really enjoyed being on my own in nature. I just I went in I would go into my own little world and Yeah. Yeah, it was really special.
0: Oh that's beautiful. It a lot of guests talk about being out in nature or having that kind of when I hear you talk it's like that free spirited kind mm. of part that child that just you know goes out and mm. is free in the world and exploring and curious by nature. Mm.
1: Yeah, it was it was yeah, it was it was just it was always so exciting going out there and yeah, it's just you know it's one of my f- most fondest memories is being in their property and you know my nana had a beautiful garden and just being in the garden and there was oak trees and there was pine trees Mm. and we used to collect pine cones and there was the channel that we used to swim in and yeah it was a a really really special place yeah so um yeah I found childhood really hard so for me that was a place where you know I just got to go and, and felt like I could actually be myself there.
0: Yeah, and I think we'll probably get into some of that a little bit later in this interview. I'd love to start, though, with what you're doing now. Like, it's pretty cool. Uh, Jess and I have met in a little pod, a business pod. She's an amazing business coach. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I am living what I have been dreaming of doing for the last 20 years so some days I still have to actually pinch myself that I absolutely get to do what it is that I absolutely love to do and I have created programs group programs for women in business Um, so I've got two different level programs Mm. and I help women raise profits in their business but not only just through the strategy also through the self-mastery work through the mindset work also through the energy work because we can have the most brilliant strategy but if we don't believe in ourselves and if we don't have those foundations put in place within inside of ourselves you know the, the strategy just isn't going to work or we'll end up sabotaging it and you know we'll attract something to distract us from that mm. you know that particular mission and goal so
0: yeah. I, the thing that I notice as business grows and I start to scale is that those mindset hurdles just keep coming up. Like It's like you can do some work on one, but then the next kind of expansion in business, it's like that imposter syndrome comes back up again. Or even doing this podcast, I remember the day I launched, I got so nervous. It was like, oh, what have I done? Like, are people going to listen? Am I qualified for this? Like, you know, and that's, this is my fourth business. You think I'd have it down pat. Do you find that with your clients?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I find that it's ongoing, but I find it with myself as well. Like it's always there. Like that negative part of myself is always knocking on the door. Sometimes it's knocking very loudly. Sometimes it's a quieter knock, but it's a constant there that seems to be, just a lot of times where yeah that stuff comes back up am I actually worthy enough do I actually have anything really relevant to say yes you know it can happen just before I launch you know before I actually you know do one of my programs of a Thursday evening and I've done that program you know for 18 months now and sometimes just before it I'll be like I don't know if I can actually do this I actually don't know how I'm doing it and just all of these thoughts of rubbish and rot arise but I've kind of got myself to the point where I just don't make it a thing. It's just like, oh, okay, cool. I I, I just, it's just it's not a problem. So I can I can be with all of that now whereas In the past, I couldn't be with that. I sort of equaled that to, well, uh, things are very wrong and I've actually, I've got a lot still to work through and, you know, I used to make it all mean something. Now I just don't make it mean anything. Now I'm just like, oh, this is just how it is and it just comes and it goes and depends on energetically how I'm feeling and the different shifts that we're going through and, you know, and sometimes I'm riding on that top of a high wave and, and those thoughts are not there. And, oh, my goodness, that's just a magnificent time. But, you know, that time ebbs and flows for me. I don't know what it's like for other people, but, you know, since I've been on my spiritual journey, it's it's been very much this ebb and this flow, these mm. times of great alignment and great frequency heightened periods and then it's been times of going back into the shadow for quite a few months and you, you when you go through that you think oh goodness you know when's that going to end I want to come back into my peak time again and and that peak time always comes back around it's that
0: I talk about that ebb and flow like an ocean so that's one of the yeah. cues I use when I notice that coming mm. it's like it ebbs and flows it comes and goes and you don't have to attach to it it's like ah oh, there you are that's okay you know you choose whether you want to attach to it and how much meaning you give to it or whether you just allow it to be there. Have you got some strategies around
1: that? Yeah I just the biggest strategy for me is I just don't make it a problem. I just don't make it a problem. What do you mean by
0: that for someone listening? Yeah
1: so and that's like with anything that happens in terms of my physical life experience as well. So any challenges that come along any challenges within the family unit with the kids or if there's like an end, like I don't want to say the word health challenge, but just any sort of challenges that come along. I just don't make it a problem. I don't make it like uh, it's not supposed to be this way and we need to, uh, you know, eliminate that thing or feel shameful that, uh, you know, that that has happened, that that challenge or that adversity you know, I just, I just, it's just not a problem. I've just got to the point where I just, nothing is a problem. It's just all a sign of life, you know, and Tony Robbins says, problems are a sign of life. If you've got problems, it means that you're alive. If you don't have problems, you're actually dead. And I think for me, I thought for many years that becoming a really successful coach would mean that I would be a perfect person and that I'd feel really good all the time and my life would be perfect. And it just isn't the truth. It just isn't because you are a human being. You have a family. You live in a world that is far from perfect. And so you encounter problems and challenges and adversity all the time. Yeah, And so I just don't make that a thing. Like I just don't have any real energy around it in terms of it just isn't a problem.
0: It's putting a different lens on it by the sounds of it. It's like, you know, you can look at it through a few different lenses and Mm. what we're talking about here takes, takes practice. Mm -hmm. You don't decide all of a sudden that you're going to be like, Oh, there's no problem I can't solve. And here's a problem. And like, you know, I'm going to be fine with this. And you know, it doesn't take away the feelings or some of the thoughts it's like, just allowing them to be there and being okay with them being there and, yeah. and understanding that that does happen and it's a part of life.
1: That's exactly it. Absolutely. It's just this full level of surrender to what is.
0: Yeah. And so,
1: that's just – that that has been one of the most beautiful shifts that's happened for me over the last 12 months to step really mm-hmm. into that. It's it's amazing because you can – you come back from your challenges a lot quicker as well because you're not going into the resistance of the challenge so you mm. kind of you can just flow through them a lot easier whether there's a solution or not I mean yeah you know like that's sometimes regardless. there isn't
0: sometimes there isn't a solution and and that's okay as well And with your clients, when we sort of like flew past that, (laughs) we were like, yes, this is what I do. And now, (laughs) so just coming back to your work for what you're doing currently, what sort of person would like come and work with you? Like what sort of clients do you have?
1: Yeah. So women who are really serious about scaling their business. So women who really want to create impact, who have that absolute burning desire to help people and to whatever it is that they do so i look after all sorts of different coaches one of my members is a trauma coach so she wants to help women work through you know the sufferings from their childhood all of that stored negative emotion so the people that come to work with me are people that really want to make changes here you know on earth they really have a very very strong desire to do what they do full time it's kind of like who they are. It's not what they've chosen to do. It's sort of like a calling. They feel such a, such a resonance to it, such a, a, you know, a deep connection. It's actually, it's a part of who they are. And so they feel so strongly about getting the results and and getting the results for others as well.
0: And then you coach them through the strategy and their mindset and the energy through that process.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I help them work through their blocks. I show them exactly what it is that I do in my business to get the results that I achieve in terms of strategy. There's the support there. There's the business support. There's the emotional support. And it's also a lot of it's the nervous system as well, like in order to actually receive from a non-traditional job, You've got to, you know, you've got to really do some nervous system work to allow yourself to open yourself up to actually receive money for something that you've generated yourself. And that can be quite a huge shock on the nervous system. You know, as as a coach, you know, many of us, we've created our own courses and programs. So it's something that we've created ourselves. So it takes time to transition from a traditional job where you get actually paid from your employer, to actually, you know, being able to have hardwired yourself to receive money for what it is that you've created and burst Mm. into the world. Unless you've grown up with a family that's been in business, then that's, you know, that's I find that people that have grown up around business, it's already partly hardwired into them, Mm. but a lot of people that are coming to me have not had that and their family have um, worked from, you know they've, they've received money they've received income from their traditional jobs and so yeah it takes a while to build up these new neurological pathways and also yeah it's a nervous system thing it can be such a shock for the nervous system <laughs> to receive money through your own creation through your yes. own It's
0: often, it's often one of the greatest hurdles for people is what do I charge or if there's a price increase or what is my time worth or what is, you know, it's really hard for most business owners to put a price on that. And then, like you said, to, to be okay with that being what they're going to receive. And when you're saying nervous system work, some people are going to be wondering what you actually mean by that. So can you just explain just that little bit for me?
1: Yeah. So with that, it's me talking about money a lot. So we have lots of conversations around money. I talk about what results I'm receiving, how much I'm making. We have them talking about their goals. One of my members has been wanting to make 25,000 this month. So we've been talking about that. It's like having those conversations so that your nervous system, so it starts to hardwire your nervous system that it just becomes normal because you wouldn't normally out there in the society talk about having a $25,000 month in your business. Mm. But Mm. when you get into groups and programs where it's just the normal like you talk about it, you know, you talk about what you'd actually love to put that money towards, you energetically get into the feeling place of already receiving it. This starts to really nurture the nervous system to open up for that experience.
0: Open up the possibilities. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Mm. And I mean, you know, there is a lot of times where there's a lot of, like, a lot of tears that come through in my programs because it's that time where they're doing really well, they got some sales, but then all of that stuff is coming up and, you know, their nervous system is screaming at them, like, no, just stay where it's safe stay in your traditional job. So people that come and work with me, there's a lot of ebbs and flows there as well. And there's a lot yeah. of the shadow when they make that decision to actually step into business fully. <laughs> you know, a lot of things that you may have thought that you healed inside of yourself really can come out to play. Yes. And, and you know, it's a big journey. It really, really is.
0: Yeah. And having that support there, not just of a coach, but of the whole community. Yeah. This isn't where you started though.
1: No, no, I I didn't start in business. No, I I actually started, I was a nurse for 22 years.
0: What kind of nurse?
1: Well, I was actually an all-rounder of a nurse. I actually worked in lots of different clinical settings Well, for the last seven years here in Townsville because I'm located in Townsville. I worked for an agency. So that meant I was like nurse on call. So I would be placed in any area of the Townsville Hospital or the private hospital here. So I could be put in acute mental health one day and then the next day I could be put in cardiology or I could be put in one of the surgical units. You name it, I did it every area of nursing. My career did start in psych. I didn't know that about you. Did it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In looking after a lot of um aged people inside that had yeah, yeah. but the majority of the time here in Townsville, i was i would work in acute mental health as well and are there
0: transferable skills for you from that into your new job
1: i think so i think yeah i think that there's just that care really wanting to make a difference in the life of someone else you know um mm. that's why i became a nurse i did a big personal development program called the landmark forum when i was 21
0: I know the ladder yeah, for them. Yeah,
1: I wanted to do it when I was 14 but it was a couple of thousand dollars and, you know, when I was 14 I didn't have access to a couple of thousand dollars. But I yearned to do that when I was 14. I saw a family be put through that program and I wanted it. There was something different about that family. Mm. There was something remarkably changed about that family that went and did that program. And so as soon as I turned 21... Both sets of my grandparents gave me $1,000 for my 21st birthday. I didn't even for a second think about what I would do with that money. I knew I knew in an instant that I would put it towards that, that course and that's what I went and did. And, and you know, that was a huge, huge awakening for me. I learned so much about myself. You know, I thank God that I did that program because I honestly don't know if I would be doing today what I am if I hadn't have gone and in done that. In the first place. Yeah, that was just like, you know, That was a very, very key, important part of my life. But I remember I wrote down on a little card, you know, our purpose. We had to figure out what our purpose was during that program, during that course. And I wrote down to make a difference in the life of someone else. And that's when I made the decision to do nursing during that program as well.
0: And that's still a mantra you use today. Yeah. I've heard you say that at least two or three times on this call. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love to de- like go a little bit deeper into even before nursing. I mean, this podcast is called Challenges That Change Us and when we've spoken before, I, we actually spoke about this before we <laughs> pressed record. It's like what are we going to what part are we going to choose? And sometimes that's really challenging, right? Because it's there's a whole lifetime of experiences that have got you to where you are today. If you were going to think about some of the challenges that you've been through, is there one that stands out for you that you want to talk about today?
1: Definitely, I had an autoimmune disease for over a decade, and so that was a huge one, but I was also living in alcoholism for a very long time as well. So those two were probably two of the most challenging events that yeah that I've been through
0: yeah and we can probably they probably intertwine I imagine over the time so we can Definitely. probably take one and then see yeah. see what happens yeah absolutely like when you talk about alcoholism that started really young yeah. didn't it
1: yeah I was about 13 when I started drinking heavily yeah I shudder to think about it today because I have a, a 14 year old that's nearly turning 15 and yeah, I just I – just, I can hardly believe it that, that that's how young I was when I started drinking. It just seems insane to think back to that.
0: And was there a reason that you started so young? Like that's a very, very young age to start drinking.
1: Yeah, so my parents were divorced. They got divorced when I was about that age, about 13, or maybe I was just turned 14. And it was a very, very crazy time, incredibly crazy I mean, it was very dysfunctional. The separation was incredibly dysfunctional. And my mum was seeing someone else straight away, and that relationship was very um, up and down, very off and on. But, yeah, it was a very, very crazy time. And I I actually became suicidal at that age as well. Oh, my God. And I ended up getting through all of that. I ended up having boyfriends, a lot of boyfriends, because I – found that I just couldn't be on my own. Yeah. Um, actually, I had a beautiful boyfriend that actually came and I was actually with him for about three years. And, and he him and his family absolutely saved my life. Like I just don't know how I would have gone through with it through it without. And I pretty much went and lived at his house with his family a lot of the time because he had a real family yeah. <laughs> and I felt that I didn't have that. And they took me in like I was their daughter and they would uh, they took me away on holidays with them. As far as they were concerned, the sun shone out my absolute backside. They treated me like an absolute princess. Which and, it um,
0: sounds like what you needed though. It like,
1: was. It was, yeah. They were they were amazing. They were they were absolutely amazing.
0: And what were some of the impacts for you over those years? Like teenage years are tough at the best of times but Mm -hmm. from even what you're saying starting drinking at 13 Mm -hmm. suicidal Mm -hmm. what impact did that have on you over those 10 years through teenage years
1: oh it was terrible it was really bad it was just yeah a lot of self-destruct it was a lot of self-loathe a lot of self-hatred yeah it was it was pretty I pretty much lived in you know hell for a good sort of 15 years there Mm -hmm. and yeah, I I drank every single weekend, you know, I I would wake up in my own vomit. It was that bad. So I, I knew that, you know, when I would wake up in my own vomit that, you know, how wrong it was and that it was, you know, I was really risking my life, you know, on so many levels. But even though I logically knew that it's something that I shouldn't be doing, I just, I couldn't stop doing it. I just, I couldn't stop. And it was, something that you know it was an escape for me it it pushed down all of the inner pain that I was feeling and um it was you know it was a big problem I knew that I had a big big problem
0: Mm. and do you think others were aware that you also had a big problem or do you think it went unnoticed
1: Uh, I think my parents would have had to have known I mean like I drank at home it wasn't hidden or anything. But my family was very much caught up in their own life, so I don't know how much they really took notice of what was actually going on with me, Mm. if if they took sort of any notice of of what was going on. And and that was half of the problem. Like, I felt, you know, very disconnected. I felt very, like, I wasn't understood. Mm. And that was a huge part of how I felt growing up. I felt that, like, everything was physically provided for, but... I wasn't emotionally connected to my parents or they didn't know who I was. Or
0: even even some sort of where were they to say this behaviour is not okay or do you need help or like you weren't seen.
1: No, I wasn't seen at all, no.
0: Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. If you are and you'd like to learn more or engage further with our podcast community, you can do this in our Facebook group. Just search for Challenges That Change Us on Facebook or look in the link in our show notes. In this group, we'll be sharing extra content and giving further background to our episodes, so I hope to see you there. But for now, let's get back to the episode. Do you still speak to your sister now?
1: Yes, I do speak to my sister, yes. I don't speak to any of my family members. I haven't spoken to my father since 2018. I haven't spoken to my mother in three years, and I haven't spoken to my brother in a little while but I am still um, in contact with my sister which is amazing yeah
0: yeah Yeah,
1: actually going to see her soon as soon as we possibly can because she's in Brisbane so super excited to go and visit her
0: and so what changed for you like you had from 13 14 years of age just feeling like you're spiraling out of control and no one seeing and no one noticing how did that change to where you are now
1: oh my goodness well you know things got a lot worse before they got better you know I I started to get really unwell which I wasn't surprised at all because I would put my body under so much pressure you know for so many years with the drinking and the smoking and the amount of emotional turmoil and stress that I was living under as well So when I developed an autoimmune disease when I was 21, I wasn't surprised. I intuitively thought in my teenage years that something was going to manifest from how I'd been living. So it was kind of like when it came along, I was sort of like, oh, there you are, Uh, yeah, of course. And what autoimmune
0: did they say?
1: uh, Lupus. But, you know, it was sort of one of these mystery illnesses as well that they, you know, they didn't have any answers around. It was, you know, kind of like you know, fibromyalgia or just these sort of there wasn't a lot of treatment, although I was on immunosuppressant drugs for a decade, steroids, prednisolone for a decade. Oh my! God. I was on. I was hospitalized every six weeks. I was on antibiotics for a a decade so my gut health was absolutely shot
0: well from Um, alcoholism through to and did you drink through all of this stage as well i drank
1: through the whole thing as well and that That would have made it so
0: complicated
1: oh my god it used to it used to kill me because here i was with an autoimmune disease and then i was drinking on top of that as well i remember that i would take the the immunosuppressant cyclosporum and if i hadn't had enough to eat and I would drink on top of the medication, I'd be on the ground for a couple of hours because it would feel like my insides were being eaten out in my
0: stomach. Oh, my God. Again, what comes up for me was where was everyone? Mm. You know, that's the thought that I have listening to you tell this story, like where was everyone when this was going on?
1: Mm. Yeah, there wasn't anyone.
0: Is that because you'd pushed everyone away or is that because people only saw a part of you that was out in the world that seemed to be functioning or how did people see you or
1: people saw me as a mess. Like I was, I was an absolute mess, but there just wasn't those supportive people in my life. You know, it just, at that time I was still in relationship with my family and they just, they just didn't get it. They didn't see that that I was not, you know, my friends saw that I was a mess, but I guess I don't really know what my family, I don't think they really saw me at all. They were very caught up in their own life experience. So, I don't, yeah, I don't, and it's just sort of the way that we sort of grew up, you know, in turmoil and crisis, like, you know, it's just how we lived. So mm-hmm. it was, it. I guess it was kind of normal for them I don't really know, but, I, you know, that's one of the gifts from, you know, being a parent myself was that I really see my children. Yes. I see them, you know, in their emotions. I see their inner worlds. I, you know, my goodness, they, they, their health is absolute number one. We've invested, we invest thousands of dollars on our children's health and their mental health, you know, making sure that their mental health, you know, that's because, it just, it wasn't there growing up for me.
0: And these are those, these are those beautiful moments that come out of such shit situations, aren't Mm, they? Like often when I hear these stories that are just gut-wrenching and heartbreaking, there's this incredible resilience, power, momentum, you know, like, almost like you're on a mission to make sure that no one else experiences that ever again in their life, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, one of the reasons why I love to support women in business is because I didn't have that support yes, on any level. So, you know, to be able to support women when I never felt supported, like that's my gift that I can give to the world and there's nothing that I would rather do than support others in what it is that lights them up you know, because I was always shamed for wanting to achieve things. If I did want to achieve something, it was like, oh, you can't do that. Like, oh, that's a pie in the sky dream, like, get really steep like you know. So it was always criticized, you know. The first online business that I did get involved in, you know, in my early 20s, I mean, my family absolutely just went to town on me. Like, that was just, I was the worst person in the world because I was getting involved in some, online business like it was just you know I was a fraud I was ripping people off like it was
0: bad oh how did you get from there to now like (laughs) honestly just I I don't even know where to start with those questions it's like because I know you now I didn't know you then and it's like a completely different side right Mm. like you don't drink you are so focused on health and mindset and you're so inspiring what happened like did you hit the lowest point ever and decide this wasn't yeah
1: yeah exactly yeah so I was 27 and I met my husband and we separated and our first child was I think he was about nearly two and things were really bad so I'd been in autoimmune disease you know for over a decade at that point point. and when I was pregnant I couldn't be on any of my medications so I had to have hospital in the home twice a day they just use antibiotics and you know I couldn't work you know I spent most of my 20s on welfare because I there was times where I just I just couldn't work I had the most wonderful boss she never fired me and I kept <laughs> wishing that she would. <laughs> she, oh. she never fired me. She always just let me take months and months on unpaid oh. sick leave. And and I, I ran into her in 2017 when we went back to Victoria. I hugged her and I said, yeah. thank you for putting up with me. I said, you, you, you've got no idea how much like what you did for me meant to me. And yes. like, every time I every time I'd turn up in her office, I think, oh, it's – just fire me like I'd fire me like she just she never did I love that
0: you got an opportunity to tell her that though I love that you got the opportunity to look her in the eyes and just say this is what it meant for me and because so often we don't see that right the ripple effect of what happens and we don't see the impact that that has yeah
1: she was she was amazing and so yeah so but anyway so I got to the point where I was on my own and um I had you know our firstborn, and and my husband actually had um he moved on. He started seeing someone else, and I realized that I'd made a terrible mistake. I realized that um, I'd gone into a subconscious pattern and I'd sabotaged our relationship. And um, he was moving on, and uh, you know, I was begging him to come back to me. Like mm. I was, you know, I was in a terrible place. And but yeah, things were really, really bad, and I was, I was contemplating ending it. Like one night, I, I would drink. I cried every day in that time for six months straight. Every single day, I cried. For a whole six months yes. I drank a bottle of wine two bottles of red wine every night and I would end up on my kitchen floor face down oh my god and I, I every night and that was six months that went on and on and on and it was yeah it, it was terrible you know oh, I don't know what it was but it was something spoke to me and that's when there was a, not everything was healed or I wasn't like a change but there was something that spoke to me and then from that speaking there was some sort of a shift inside mm-hmm. of me. Do and, you remember
0: what the what was spoken?
1: Yeah, the, the words were you actually never have to feel bad again if, if you choose not to. You don't have to live your life feeling so bad about everything because I used to feel bad about everything, you know, yeah. how my parents felt, my yeah. mother's pain, my father's pain, what was going on in the world, you know, what was happening to the environment, like every single thing I felt bad about, mm-hmm. every single thing. And this voice just came inside of me and it just said, Jess, you, you don't have to feel bad anymore. You actually can choose not to feel bad. You can release this, and, and there is a different way. And that was the start of things and, you know, I remember I got off the floor that night and I, I, never, I didn't cry again after that. I stopped crying and the next day there was a business opportunity that came through and I, I made some decisions around healing. I made the decision that I was going to heal my autoimmune disease. I had no idea how I was going to do that.
0: And when you say you made the decision, did you just simply in your head be like, I'm done with this, like yeah. I'm going to do whatever it takes? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I absolutely I made the decision because that night it was either life or death Mm. and I chose life but it didn't mean that anything was solved in that moment or I didn't have any idea of how I was going to fix it like I mean not a brazu of a clue of an idea about Mm. how I was going to heal my autoimmune disease I already spent a decade trying to figure out how to heal the autoimmune disease Mm. I went to naturopaths I went to You know, I did meditation groups, I did allergy testing, I saw myotherapists.
0: I guess also too, it would have been so clouded by the drinking, like it's so Uh hard when there's that combination, I think it makes it even more, autoimmunes are challenging at the best of times to try and work out A, what they are, B, how to treat, C, how to have a life and live with the autoimmune, let alone when it's completely clouded by alcoholism and And self-harm.
1: Doctors, doctors had told me that I would never be well. I would be chronically unwell for the rest of my life and that it would get worse as I aged mm. and that I would always be on medications and, um, you know, we would always just have to monitor all of that and I would just have to learn. I just had to learn to live with it and manage it. God.
0: And so the day that you woke up and you decided that that was it, did you stop drinking that day? No, I did
1: not stop drinking that day, but I made the decision that I would one day. release drinking forever and smoking and I don't think I ever got drunk again from that moment so it was a gradual release it was a gradual release It wasn't a struggle it felt like I was being guided it felt like I was Mm -hmm. being led it felt like you know, I, I very much have become like a very spiritual person. I was so, going to ask
0: whether you were spiritual before this, because you sound very spiritual now. Is that a new thing yeah. or was that always been with you?
1: Oh, that's always been with me. You know, yeah. I always felt strange from a child. I always felt like I didn't belong. I wasn't suicidal when I was a child, but I would long to go back to where I came from. I had this always longing feeling that I was in a strange place and, yeah, I always felt very strange. I always wondered why people weren't talking about how they felt. Mm. I couldn't understand the superficial conversations.
0: Well, the real conversations weren't being said in your home. Nothing was being said. Exactly. So you can't make sense and feel grounded and anchored when that's going on around you as a child, Nothing made
1: any sense,
0: yeah. Yeah. This is the biggest question I get asked when I work with anyone that has any kind of addiction. They're just like, how do others do it? Like not how do you do it from a big picture sense, but how did you really do it? Like what was the first thing you did once you made the decision? What was the very first thing you did and then what did you do after that?
1: Yeah, so what I did was I worked on myself.
0: And what do you mean when you say worked on yourself? So
1: I spent night and day doing the personal development work. Reading books, um, purchasing little courses and programs, going to seminars, doing little free courses.
0: Are there any that you remember really distinctly? Like, was there any kind of books or any courses that you were like, oh, for me, that was magic and that was really eye-opening?
1: Yeah, well, the Landmark Forum was the first big one, but Esther and Jerry Hicks and the Teachings of Abraham. Have you heard of them? No, no yeah amazing one of their books the emotions one helped me heal my autoimmune disease because it it taught me how to heal my emotions and all my emotions were linked to the autoimmune disease so once I healed my emotions the autoimmune disease started to heal itself yeah and releasing all of the stored repressed negative emotions as well so yeah so I saw psychologists counselors that I read and I set up affirmations for myself I actually put them up around my whole house yeah I had an affirmation on my bathroom mirror that said every day in every way I'm getting better and better I love
0: that one. I've never heard that. Can you say it again?
1: Every day, in every way, I'm getting better and better.
0: There are going to be some people listening to this that it's like, ah, light bulb moment. (laughs) Press pause, write it down right now, or you will forget it, and pop that up if that's something that resonates with you.
1: It's the best one, and it's still true to this day because Mm. every day, in every way, I am getting better and better still to this day.
0: And how did you find the psychs and the counsellors? That's another really common question people ask me. Like, where do I go? Where do I start? How will I know who to go to?
1: Yeah, I found them really good for where I was at at the time. But, of course, they could only get me so far. So, I mean, for me, you know, all of the greatest teachers, Louise Hay, Wayne Dyer, you know, I've read all of their books. I've studied, you know, all of their teachings this whole bookshelf behind me, which you guys won't be able to see because we don't have a video, but that whole bookshelf is personal development.
0: There's like four rows of books after books after books. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I, I stopped watching media. I, mm-hmm. I switched off the news and I got to work and I did the self-mastery work and I worked on my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions. I watched The Secret. I learned about The Law of Attraction I've seen The Secret hundreds of times. We actually put it on for the kids a while ago and I was saying every word in the background. Uh-huh. And the kids are like, "Mom, will you stop doing that?
0: <laughs> and when we talk about these steps, often it sounds like when some people listen or like they're like a bird's eye view, it sounds like it was one after the other and it kind of was an easy ride. It's not like that, is it?
1: Oh no, I know. It, it it wasn't it definitely wasn't easy at all. I was very frustrated because there were times where I felt like I wasn't anywhere near where I thought that I should be for the amount of work that I was doing on myself. So that would be very frustrating. And a lot of the time I felt like I was taking two steps forward and then five steps back. I felt like there was a lot of times where I felt like there was regression, but it wasn't, it was the pullback, it was it was coming back into that shadow. And and you know, for me the shadow work was a big part of it. I wasn't ready to do the shadow work for a long time. I, I bypassed the shadow. I didn't want to do the shadow because I'd already been in the shadow. So when I embarked upon my spiritual healing journey,
0: you just wanted the joy. I just wanted to
1: focus on, and the secret was great yeah. for that because it was like, only focus on what it is that you want. Boom. Okay, done. I'm never yes, I looking can do that. that. Stuff. I
0: can do that. You know, it's funny you should say that because that's definitely something that I'm experiencing in these last couple of years. I've done so much self work. You know, I grew up in a pretty rough, pretty rough upbringing, and you know, I felt like I'd kind of done it. And then it started to to like creep back up again or it's like you know comes and taps you on the shoulder it's like what I've, I remember saying when I had my stroke it took me so long to recover and I couldn't work out what was holding up that recovery and I finally worked out that it was this little mantra that I had since I was this little girl since I was five years old that was like you can touch my body but you can't touch my mind like no one can touch my mind you can Punch me! You can hurt me. You can, whatever you want to do, but you can't touch my mind. I'm gonna get. Mm. I'm gonna get so safe in that headspace. So you can imagine what happened when I had my stroke. It was like Mm. my mind's gone, Mm. and that really impacted and held me back in my recovery. And now that you say that, I remember sitting at the kitchen table with my husband in tears when the doctor said to me, "The reason why you're having seizures could possibly be because of your childhood trauma," and Mm. I just lost it because I was like I've done the work Mm. people like I have spent years working on myself this is not fair this is not okay Mm. like how can it still be coming and biting me on the freaking ass it's like it is who we are but it doesn't have to stand in front of us
1: yes yes absolutely absolutely but you know there comes a time where we're called back for that journey and and we've got to feel it to heal it so we do have Mm. to in a way go back you know, into some of those feelings, and it's it sucks. It just really does suck.
0: I think to heal the trauma, you do. You know, if you yeah. really want to heal that child yeah. part, and sometimes you know people think that's going back and reliving moment by moment by moment. It's no. not. All, no, it's not that. It is, and
1: it's crippling. Like it is absolutely crippling. To go back I, through that. I, there
0: was one day my husband found me on the bathroom floor in a little ball, sobbing my eyes out. And he's just like, it was like I was five years old again, just, uh, he couldn't reach me for about an hour. He, and I was just so regressed, it was ridiculous. You know, and they're the sides that people don't see. Yeah.
1: When you're not using things to push those feelings down, so you, you allow them to come through as well. So yeah. a lot of, you know, a lot of people don't even know it, but they're using things, substances, and that actually you know, pushes down the the, Well it takes away the
0: pain, right? Momentarily. It takes it's one like it's an amazing strategy for that. If that's purely what you want it for, it's it's a great strategy. It just doesn't serve for a lot of people anymore. It's like something that used to be resourceful for you no longer is. Especially if you're wanting to, you know, love other people and get back in relationships and have children and, you know, have a life that you can feel content again and feel joy again.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So when you strip all those things away that used to push the pain down, there's nothing there to push the pain down with anymore. So it's just about, you know, it comes up, it comes up and it comes through. But the beautiful thing is that you get to release that and then you Mm -hmm. get to be upgraded from that and you get to, you know, raise your frequency. Like we've all got a frequency. And as we release more of our stored trauma, you know, our frequency actually It rises and then we get to attract more of the good stuff, more things Mm -hmm. are in alignment with that new frequency that we're emanating.
0: This is a random question. Is there stuff that you miss about those days even though they were challenging and you nearly didn't make it through?
1: No, there isn't. My life is the best that it's ever been and, uh, you know, and that's because I made the decision that I was going to have an amazing Mm -hmm. life experience. Mm. so I would never want to go back the only thing that I miss is, is my sister but otherwise I would never want to go back ever
0: and for the listeners to get a bit of a sense of you know how long ago that was for you how long have you been sober and how long have you been off the medication for your autoimmune
1: so I took my last lot of medication just before I got pregnant with Noah I made a promise to myself that I would not get pregnant until my I was healed Mm -hmm. until I was off all medication and that was a great incentive because you know we've got to have a burning desire around achieving anything that we want it needs to come with a burning desire so it was beautifully linked in because it was like I really had a burning desire to have a second child and so I set up that okay I would not get pregnant until I was off all medication and so Noah is eleven in November. Sorry, it's been eleven years. <gasps> oh since my then. god!
0: They yeah. haven't had any autoimmune medication. No. No. That
1: is insane.
0: And yeah. and alcohol? How long has that been?
1: I actually don't know because I didn't. I sort of didn't really count it. But my husband is six years. Um, he also was an alcoholic as well, mm. and his drinking actually spiraled when he joined the army and so yeah so he counts he really found it a lot more difficult I I didn't find it actually really hard to release once I made that decision I never sort of sat there thinking oh gee I wish I could have a drink for me it was sort of like it just became out of alignment with me if I thought that I wanted or I wish that I could still have the odd drink I, I just felt like I'd have a headache immediately just in thinking about it yeah. So it, it it was for me. I mean it's probably like 10 years. We never ever have one drink like we don't have alcohol here in the house. We don't even really go to a pub because to eat because my husband, you know, he doesn't even want to be around the smell mm-hmm. of a pub and all of those memories sort of things. So,
0: And it just goes to show, doesn't it, just even listening to the difference between you and your husband, that there is no one answer for one person and it's about finding what works for you. But I guess in summing up some of the things that you've spoken about, it's also making the decision but knowing that that doesn't make the road easier. It makes the northern star that you're working towards crystal clear but it doesn't necessarily mean there's not going to be little bumps in the road or that there's not going to be times that it's really challenging and hard or times that you feel like you're going backwards instead of forwards.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think too a big part of me being able to heal myself was being on mission and having a really big mission as well. Mm. You know, I'm a person that has a lot of energy and if I do not focus that energy into on-mission, soul-connected things, then obviously that part of my life was very self-destructive. So I did self-destruction in a very powerful way. And so because of that too, I knew that I could flip it and I knew that I could do life in a a really powerful, positive way because I'd done self-destructive so well, I knew that I could do the equal opposite. But a big part of, you know, not drinking, not smoking, it's being on purpose, being on path, being on mission, you know, waking up every day and saying, okay, like I'm on mission, like there's work here for me to do here on earth. And it's you're, you're really working towards something great, you know, and greater than yourself. And it's, it's all about helping others as well.
0: And I think we've really heard in this interview in particular around the power of mindset. You talk about it in, in a spiritual way and I am not as a spiritual as, as you are, but I almost put the, that spiritual part in mindset, you know, like, cause I have such belief in when we start to unpack and understand what's happening inside our heads and start to learn skills, and strategies that can help us with that like we go to the gym to grow our muscles in squats and deadlifts and you know lunges and like we need to train our minds in the same way years over years over years like you can never stop learning the Mm. brain is the one part of our body we know the least about Mm. right
1: absolutely Uh, yeah absolutely and it takes years to reprogram but you know once you reprogram everything becomes available and that's why i've been so successful in business because i've spent all of those years reprogramming reprogramming mm. you know and and working through the money blocks and, and and working through the unworthiness and so you know my my mind is completely hardwired in a different way than what it what it was but it obviously it's taken a lot of work
0: yeah, it's almost like when I listen to you that the possibilities are now endless. That's what I hear when I hear you talk. It's like, you know, the world really is your oyster and you are only just getting started. That's the energy I get through this phone.
1: Oh, I am only just getting started. I feel like just a little tiny new old baby. I've got yeah. so much work to do on myself still. Yeah. Um, and I always come at the inner work from that perspective, you know, and I say that with to my clients. I have got so much work to do. I've got so many limiting beliefs still. I still have lots of money blocks, but I'm excited.
0: So what's next for you in that space?
1: For me, I am working towards increasing impact, so building up my group program so that I can help more women in business. I really want women to get financially healthy. I think that we've been living in the dark ages in terms of finance and I believe that we need to start shifting the earth into a much more healthier, wealthier state of affairs in terms of money. We need to start talking about money. We need to start embracing money as a wonderful thing to be Mm. really, really abundant and healthy and wealthy and wise and all of that. So I'm very passionate about women raising profits in their business so that they get financially healthy, so that they can take that financial health and go out and do good in the earth. I'm very passionate about Steiner schools. My children go to a Steiner type Montessori democratic school. And I would like to start a non-for-profit organisation to help Steiner schools pop up all over Australia. There's a lot of children that are in traditional schools and they are non-fit for traditional schools. I had two of them and it was an absolute nightmare. My children hated school. They were actually they had anxiety over going to school, yeah. And it was an absolute nightmare. We used to get in the car and have an argument across the side of the other side of the road, trying to get the kids out of the car to go to school. It's definitely
0: not for everyone. It's it's definitely not my eldest. I said to her the other day, (laughs) I I really believe in education. It saved my life without a doubt. But um, I said to my eldest, you know, don't let school interfere with your education. You have so much more to learn, and school's one way of learning. It's one chapter of your life. Whereas my other two, they feel beautifully into the school system and i think just having options for our kids and
1: it just it's not one box fits all yeah yeah absolutely there's um a lot of children that go to my children's democratic school that had to be medicated to go to the traditional school and now that they go to where it's a fit for them they are no longer on medication
0: yeah. And that's often a sign, you know, that people talk about for them, like you're talking about with your autoimmune. And I know we didn't even, even scratch the surface on that, but for a lot of people, when they don't feel like they need to take the medication, there's almost some healing in that space and saying, you know, that I don't know why I like it. I haven't explored that, but you know, often it is around that. I don't need that medication anymore. I'm feeling well enough and healthy enough to be able to, and abundant enough to be able to live the life I want to live. Yeah. Yeah, and Jess I I love to finish the podcast with a question about someone or somewhere or something in your life that makes you truly belly laugh
1: it probably would have to be my husband we um kind of have this sort of just funny banter that just sort of carries on sort of all day every day and just silly little things that come up within our family yeah or just the way that he looks at me sometimes we just um yeah, we we um, spend a lot of the time laughing and um, yeah, laughing at each other.
0: I hear you <laughs> laugh a lot, and so we haven't laughed at all on this interview. But normally, that's like the first thing we see in you, right? Is you like you present with laughing before anything else? I think. Do people Thank say you. that?
1: I don't really know. I you know I really value yeah having a good time and joy. And being in good energy, you know, I, I really, you know, spend most of my life working towards feeling good. There is nothing that is more important than feeling good. Mm. That was a motto that, you know, I I took with me and, and, and I believe that. And, and, you know, we, we feel it. So feeling good. So laughter, you know, seeing the funny side of everything, it's not that serious, even though we, you know, we can get bogged down in the seriousness of life, but you know, just always accepting what is, setting goals and having your intentions, and finding you know what your burning desire is, and absolutely going after it. You know, full throttle, dedicating your life to it. You know, a lot of women talk about, oh, I don't have balance. Oh, you know, well sometimes it just isn't balance when you're on mission. Like there just yes. there isn't going to be balance. And and you know, I think that yeah, showing our kids that you know we're here for a purpose. We've got a higher calling it's our absolute duty to make sure that we fulfill what we've actually been asked to do here on earth at this particular
0: time. I think those last few sentences sum up you beautifully, I think. And Jess, I just appreciate so much you taking the time to come on and being so honest, you know, like that's why we've done this podcast is to have those really raw, real, robust conversations. And sometimes it feels like we start to go into them and we have to pull out of them because it might not be Mm. the space or the time on a podcast nationally to go in there and maybe the listeners heard that today because it was a few times we went to go deep and we pulled back out or we made some decisions not to for various reasons and you know i i like i said we've only just slightly spoke i feel like we just did like a sweep of your life where there's so much depth (laughs) in any one of those things that we spoke about so thank you for being so honest and so authentic through this whole conversation
1: oh you're so welcome it's been an absolute pleasure it's i always love spending time with you so My absolute pleasure. It's funny. I said
0: at the beginning that I didn't realize that we had two business coaches back to back in the episodes. And I actually think that was really great and probably really valuable because you might start to hear the language of both Jess and Kamal. And, you know, I work with lots of coaches. There will be lots of coaches that come on these episodes because they're, you know, I own a couple of businesses. I'm in business pods. And so I get to meet these amazing people. But the common thread that I hear and we heard it with Kamal and Jess and Anne Maria that we heard and Brody that they all have gone and done some self work, some inner child work, some shadow work. And that work never stops. Like we continue to work on ourselves on a daily basis. But the message that I want everyone to take away from this is that it's okay to do that work. You know, don't shy away from that step into that so that you can be fully yourself in this world. And Feel alive and feel passionate and feel like you have a purpose. Even if that purpose changes over time, that's completely okay. But tapping into that part of you that that is bigger than just you. Jess and I, it was a really tough decision to pull out some of her recording. We mentioned that at the beginning that we had to actually... Edit out a whole section of this interview around her childhood trauma. And I just want to honor that space for Jess because it takes courage to stand up and tell your story. And it takes even more courage to tell snippets of your story and not being able to tell the whole thing openly. We've done that to keep it anonymous and to protect Jess and her family. But I just want you all just to take a moment and and let's all just. You know, send our wishes out there into the world for anyone that's experiencing adversity right now or anyone that has grown up with any kind of childhood trauma. We are with you and we are walking beside you every single step of the way. I'm really looking forward to next week's episode. So don't forget to tune in on Monday morning and yeah, just keep that feedback coming through because that's what encourages me as to who we should interview next or the direction that we should take in the podcast.